This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And football's back, my friend. Football is officially back. I'll be honest. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Did I watch a lot of the Cal-Hawaii game? Probably not, but it's because it was Cal-Hawaii, and it was just, for me, it's weird, and this is kind of a little sub-news before we get into what we're going into today. The game was in Sydney, Australia, and it was weird being like 9, 10 o'clock at night and seeing a football game that was played during the day. But now the Pac-12 apparently has an agreement to play more games in Australia in the future. Really? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a deal. That's what I saw today on ESPN, that they're, they have now a deal that more Pac-12 teams are going to be playing in Australia. That's interesting. It's weird. It's that- weird to me. It's just it's weird. Trying like, trying to get another market. I trying get, to get another market of of fans. Well, it's kind of like the NFL where they're trying to get into that London market. You got the Raiders and I think the Texans are playing in Mexico City this year. It's just one of those things, man. Where I mean, I can't remember which ESPN show I heard. I think it was College Football Live, but they said, you know what? It, when it's a game like this, game starts the season, or it's those important games. Give them to us. Keep them back here. Give Australia a meaningless game. Like, I don't know, a random Saturday morning when Alabama's not going to be playing LSU that week. And it's that, like, weird week where it's like, wow, these are where all the crap games kind of happen. Give them that one. Don't give them the one to kick off our full football season. But football is now upon us. We had that game kick off. Cal got the big win over the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors And now we've got games coming up this week starting Thursday and going all the way through Monday, ending with Florida State Old Miss. We're going to be looking at some Oklahoma-Houston today, some Trojans versus the Crimson Tide, and then ending with that FSU-Old Miss game. And Brandon, let's start with the, the, I'm I'm going to kind of call it a pseudo Big 12 matchup because we have talked about maybe Houston getting into the Big 12, and with this one, I'm going to start out nice and simple. Is this an audition for Houston to get into the Big 12? I think it has to be. I think it absolutely has to be an audition for Houston to get into the Big 12. They're definitely going to be looking at this game, not taking it lightly at all, especially one, because it's Oklahoma, and two, because, yeah, you're trying to make a bid. You want to make everyone in Mm -hmm. the Big 12 take a look at you and go, okay, you know, this team definitely could have a spot in this conference. And if they have a good showing, that's huge for them. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's the thing when we talked expansion that was huge was the whole politics of it. But when it comes down to it, how good you play, that plays into it pretty much. And with me, this isn't just an audition for Houston to maybe get into a bigger TV market, a bigger conference, get more revenue coming in to the school from being Power 5. Even with them in their Group of 5 conference, this is a quarter a quarterfinal matchup for the college football playoff, more so for Houston than it is the Oklahoma Sooners because when it comes to Houston, because you're not a power five, if you lose one game, still win your conference, the selection committee is going to be like, okay, whatever. You're not a power five team. If you were a big 12 team, 
got one loss. Then it's like, okay, you won the Big 12. That has some standing to it because it's a Power 5 conference. So to me, for Houston, this is not just that that kind of audition, but it's, hey, if we win this game, this is that first step into going undefeated, something that we have to do to kind of force the committee's hand late in the season to maybe put us in the college football playoff. It's got kind of a BCS championship kind of vibe to it. When Back when it was the BCS, if you weren't going undefeated, you had slim pickings on trying to get to that national championship. And I think a big part of it is definitely they want to catch the eye. They want to catch mm-hmm. the eye of the committee early and often. That's especially what they want to do because, one, they're not just trying to make a – possibly trying to make a bid for the Big 12 conference – but they're trying to make a run at a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And you want to have the eye of the committee from the very beginning. And you want the committee to be able to look at you and go, okay, okay, this Houston team is for real. They just took on and possibly beat an Oklahoma team that Oklahoma was a playoff team last year. A lot of people are thinking they'll be a playoff team again this year or at least very good if they don't quite might make it there. Houston has got to have a good showing, and it's got to be better than the last showing. The last time that these two teams met was back in 2004, September 11th, 2004. Oklahoma won in a blowout, 63-13. to Both teams have come a long way since then, Houston especially. I'm looking for the Houston Cougars to definitely put up a fight against this team. Well, and I am too, and I mean the thing with Oklahoma the big thing I'm looking for them in this game is I've got the microscope on Baker Mayfield. I think he's the guy, the most important thing in this matchup is what are you going to do? Because I looked to last season, and yeah, you 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 killed Akron early in the year. Throw that game away. That doesn't matter. You didn't play a football game that day. That's how much I don't care about the Akron Zips. It's that second game. You play Tennessee on the road, this game against Houston is going to be in a neutral site. You play Tennessee away from your home. You barely beat out Tennessee in a game that many people believe Tennessee should have won. They should have beat you, but you pulled out that win. It took you, to me, it took you a little slower getting out of the gates than you might have hoped. You got to the end of the year, you're like, cool, you know what, we're going to get this. You end with a huge statement win over your rivals and Oklahoma State where you beat them 58 to 23 however you end on a sore note losing to the eventual runners up last year in the Clemson Tigers so to me it comes down when you're Oklahoma you're looking for we got to get a fast start showing people we're for real and number two we got to get that bad taste out of our mouth from that last game we played against Clemson and especially if you're Oklahoma too week one on the road at Houston at NRG Stadium it's not going to be an easy game Mm -hmm. by any means at all week two it's Kind of a little bit of a downer, I think, in the energy category because you take on Louisiana Monroe, who you'll probably blow out of the water. But then week three, you're back at it again. Mm-hmm. Ohio State at home. Are they back at it again with the white vans? I would assume so, Daniel. <laughs> but I, I think that you, you take a look at that. You want to be pumped. You're mm-hmm. excited that this is the first game that you get because it's a good one. Because guess what? Then you're ready for that game in week three against Ohio State, especially since there's that kind of off game mm-hmm. in the middle. Uh, you know, not, not trying to take away anything from Louisiana Monroe, but it just ain't going to happen. Well, and I like the, when I look at the Sooner schedule, I like that they have that. 
Like, they have the tough game up front. Yeah, you got to beat Houston. You can't just walk in and expect the game to be handed to you. But I like having that cupcake game between the Houston-Ohio State games because if you had Louisiana-Monroe first, it's, okay, cool, we beat them. But what do you really know about You'll get that coach answer. Well, we didn't really get the true answer of uh, what our team has yet. We haven't figured out the identity. You play a team like Houston in NRG Stadium, like you said, you're going to figure out what kind of a team you have. And then you can take that, take what you need to work on into the Louisiana Monroe game and say, hey, you know what? This is what we need to work on. We did this a lot better. I feel now more confident going into that Ohio State game. However, it all comes down to the more important thing. You got to get that W against Houston. It's great to be able to say, well, we know what our team is now and we can work for the next one. But if you, you get that loss against Houston, I think like for Oklahoma, it doesn't kill your season like it would the Cougars, but it really puts you behind the eight ball. Like you got to sweep the Big 12 and hope that maybe a one loss Big 12 team can make the college football playoff. Yeah, this is going to be a good game against these two teams. You take a look, you've got two really good offenses against going going against defenses that you're going to have to see, you know, do they have that bend but don't break type of mentality? They're going to be able to mm-hmm. kind of hold off the other team's offense. And this this Houston team, they're coming off of a win in the Peach Bowl over Florida State last season. So that's huge for them. So they get, kind of ride that momentum into this year. They have a productive offseason, really getting excited. There's a lot of excitement around this almost new look Houston Cougar team. And it's really exciting. I mean, even even someone who is not a huge fan outside of the Power Fives, like myself, can say, hey, this is exciting to see a team like Houston being good, not being like an outside-of-the-power-five type team. They Mm -hmm. are trying to be one of the big dogs or the big cats in their their situation. But you take a look to Houston is going to need their secondary to step up. Jordan Thomas and the rest of the guys, offense is certainly going to be key. It's most likely going to be... Uh, the biggest part for them is Baker Mayfield going to be able to come back and be what Baker Mayfield was last year that led that team to a playoff spot? I think yes, but we will see. Well, and when I look at the defenses, you bring up that Houston's defensive backs need to be on their toes because of Baker Mayfield. Look at the other side. I would say Oklahoma's entire defense, more so the linebackers and the DBs, they got to be on their game because – Greg Ward Jr. is a guy who it was, I believe it was him and Deshaun Watson were the only two quarterbacks last season to throw for over 4,000 yards and rush for over 1,000. So that tells me that guy can kill you with the arm, and if you're taking away the arm, I'm going to kill you with my legs. And those quarterbacks, especially in college football, can be pretty damn dangerous. Well, what, that's what I was saying is that is that the the Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, pardon me, the Oklahoma defense need to be the one to to definitely step up. I mean, you already know the Big Twelve don't play defense, I was say, right? But you, are, you already know that, you already know that Houston's <laughs> yeah. knows that they're going to have to step up because they're going against such a good, high powered mm-hmm. offense in a Big Twelve offense, especially led by Baker Mayfield. But it, it's going to have to be, you know, it, it's not going to be cupcake on mm-hmm. the other side either for for the Big Twelve. And in Oklahoma, but you know, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm just excited for college football this coming weekend. I'm excited for this game. I think it should be a good one. Let me ask you this before we move on to the Trojans and the Tide. Are we at the end of the season? Are we looking back at this game like, wow, 
that was basically the college football playoff quarterfinal? It could be. You know, it could be. I, I think that sometimes it's games like this. Like, let's let's take last year, for example. It was the first game of the season. It was, it was the, the highlighter. It was Wisconsin-Alabama. Oh, this is going to be a good one. No. Wasn't good. But could this, could this game be the opposite of that? Could it be that game that you look back and you go, wow, that was, I mean, it kicked off. That was game one. It didn't even wait, wait, wait five weeks. Mm-hmm. This was it. This was the kickoff. This is the game that you can go back and look at and you're like, okay, they are going to match up again. Hopefully we get that, but like, but like I alluded to and said, it's it could go any way. Sometimes it I'm really a, could go any way because I think a lot of people expected a lot more from that game last year mm-hmm. with Alabama and Wisconsin, and they didn't get it. Here's the thing, though, and this is the big difference. I like that you use that Alabama Wisconsin game, and this is the only thing I don't like about that analogy. Wisconsin, they were a team that like the reason that game didn't live up was Wisconsin fell off last year. We put them on a pedestal way too high because that's where they were the year before. I think this year it will be. We will look back and say, wow, that was the that was the quarterfinal to our playoffs because Houston, if they lose, this could be the only game they lose all year. And we could say the same thing for Oklahoma. This could be the only game that these two teams lose all year if one of them loses. And I will say this. I'm not going to give away my pick because this game is within our picks video later in the week. But I'll say this. The loser of this game is not going to be in the college football playoff. You can put your money on that. You guys let us know down below, though. What are you guys looking for from this game? Will it be a college football playoff quarterfinal? How big is it going to be for the committee? What statements are going to be made from both teams? But we're going to move on into the next game that we're kind of looking at of the three today. And we talked about this quarterback and this team last week, Brandon, And out of the three segments that we usually put on YouTube, I will say Trojan fans showed up. This was our most popular one from last week, so maybe we can get some more Trojan love in here. But you got Max Brown. We talked about him becoming a starter for USC. We know what he's bringing to the table, but now let's dissect a little bit. Can he really have a coming out party and show up Nick Saban's Crimson Tide? You know, I think that it it could be difficult. He could he could do it, but I think that there's going to there's there's just going to be some things standing in his way. I think that one of them is is an offensive line that you're still looking at with with some questions. I, I think that uh, another could be uh, for the fact that this Alabama defense is is still good. I mean, they are still a stout defense. Well, they're a revolving door, especially on the defensive front. Yeah, that's one thing that Al- Alabama for me has always been in the sense a revolving door, and you use the the term perfectly, a revolving door for defense and for running back. There's just no drop off. There's just no drop off at all. Well, so I mean, this I year for that, both, you've got we mentioned his name before, Bo Scarborough could yeah. be the big running back. Yeah, I, I think though that Max Brown is definitely going to have some options. Juju Smith Schuster. Now, there's a name of possibly the best wide receiver going into next year's draft. Possibly. Love him. I think that this kid is so good, and he's a big target. So I think that Max Brown definitely has some pieces there. You look at the running backs, Ronald Jones, Justin Davis. uh, They really kind of take, I think, the the Southern Cal running game to that next level. Um, I I think that you also have to never forget about Adoree Jackson. 
I mean, this is another guy on the opposite mm-hmm. side of Smith-Schuster. Max Brown has pieces in place. If his guys can make plays for him, he's going to have to make some plays too. You've got a chance to make some big plays. And I definitely think that big plays will certainly be made in this game. But I don't know if it's enough to overcome what Alabama will be bringing at them. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the same side of the table. Not literally, because we're on two different sides of the table right now. But for this argument, I'm kind of on the same side where would I love to see the Trojans beat the Crimson Tide? You betcha. I'm not a huge Crimson Tide fan. Brandon's on the other side there. He loves the Crimson Tide. But if you look at last year, the games that USC played, all of them except for the last two when they played Oregon and Stanford in the Pac-12 title game, 10-point loss to Notre Dame, a 5-point loss to Washington, 10 points to Stanford. They were close. And the one thing I look at last year, I know it was Cody Kessler, but what's one thing that Cody Kessler did not do last year? He didn't turn over the ball. That, to me, is going to be the big thing for this team. And for Max Brown, can't turn over the ball. Because that's going to be the one thing to kind of be the Achilles heel if you let it is turnovers because Alabama's that kind of team and Nick Saban's kind of groomed them into it to where if you give them extra chances, they will make you pay. Yeah, absolutely they will. And and that's one thing, kind of going back to uh, uh, Dory Jackson, who can play receiver mm-hmm. but also a shutdown cornerback. This guy is going to be going against anyone that Nick Saban throws in at quarterback. And, and that is kind of the one glaring thing for me right now for Alabama is is quarterback but at the same time people would say Brandon well look who they put in a quarterback the last couple of years you have Blake Sims you have Jake Coker you know that's no one spectacular but yet they won a national championship with Jake Coker at quarterback Jake Coker did enough he did just enough but they had so much outside of him uh certainly from Derrick Henry what mm-hmm. we saw last year and what we've seen for the last couple and then defensively they've just been so good I, I think that that's going to be one of the biggest things um, for for Alabama is who do they play at quarterback and how consistent can they be? And does it have a, a, a big positive or negative effect on them? So I, I think that that's going to be the biggest question mark right now for me coming into this ballgame. It's Alabama, the number one team in the nation, going up against USC, ranked number 20. And it's going to be a really good game. I'm looking for fireworks in this game. That is for sure. I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to see some big plays. It's it's just going to be two teams, the best team in the SEC, going up against one of the best teams in the Pac-12. Because well, I'm not ready yet to say that. Can we USC say more rising? Is, a rising the team? team. Can we say a rising team in the Pac-12 in USC? Because like you said, I you don't want to put them at the top yet. Because we don't know what they're going to fully be under Coach Helton. I'll be honest and say, I mean, I said this, I think, in my in my preview of USC. Mm-hmm. I don't currently have them as the highest team up there in even the Pac-12 this year. I don't even know if I have them top three. And, and people would say I'm crazy, and maybe I am. But they have a lot of proving to do, I think. They do. And could they do it? Certainly. But... I, I've got to wait and see that first mm-hmm. before I'm able to say, okay, USC, I've got some faith in you this year. You know who I am really excited for for Alabama's side of the ball on defense is I 
I mentioned that revolving door for the defense, and for me, I'm looking defensive line in a guy, Deshaun Hand. And the reason why is this is a guy that I remember, I want to say it was two years ago, was just one of those where it's like, this guy, best strong side defensive end recruit in the country. He was a top five recruit for um, 247 or 24-7 sports, however you want to say it, dot com. And he only played seven and eight games in his first two years. That freshman year was, or six and eight, I'm pardon me. The freshman year was the six games where he only had seven tackles, two sacks, saw limited time. Then last year as a sophomore, he went up to 16 tackles, seven of them solo. Yeah, He bumped up that tackles for loss to 6.5, three sacks. But this is the year as a junior expecting to start on that defensive line. He's the guy I'm looking for for maybe when we get to the end of the year, we're saying maybe first-round draft pick to Sean Hand or a guy where it's like, man, he's a second-rounder if he comes back, first-rounder next year. He's who I'm looking at. Yeah, I, I think that there, there's definitely a lot of guys to take a look at in this one. And, I mean, we could go on, we could pinpoint each guy for, for the rest of the day. But at the end of it, there's got to be someone who comes out as the winner in this one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that they both have some positives and some negatives on, on, on both sides. So that's why I think, you know, not giving anything away yet is that this is going to be a good game. And it, it could be closer than what people expect. It could. Well, I'm going to end with this. I usually shoot you a question before we move on into the next kind of topic on the podcast. I'll ask you this. For the Alabama side, who are you more? Who would you be? I'm putting you into the mindset, into the shoes of a Nick Saban, into the, the Alabama hat that he wears on the practice field and the little gray vest that he has with the Alabama logo. I'm putting you in those clothes. Who would you rather have as your starting quarterback against USC when the season starts? You've got Cooper Bateman. Or David Cornwell, who's your quarterback? I'm probably going Cooper Bateman. Uh, that's just that's just me personally. I I, I feel like I you know uh, I, I I just feel like you can maybe trust him a little bit more. But you know it's kind of a toss up at this point, really. I mean I'm not kidding. I think it's more of just a toss up in the air on 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 that point. But you know you throw one out there and you see how he does week one or you see how he does in the first half and hey if he hasn't done what you needed him to do you throw out the other one because right now you really just don't have that guy who I I think is shining you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and that's okay but as long as you're able to kind of stick with one Alabama has never shied away from the from the quarterback by committee Uh, was it Blake Sims and um Coker Coker. yeah they were they switched off two years ago right yeah has not shied away from doing that before so I highly doubt that they would do it again and I ask you that apparently rlads.com who I've said it before I love them for all their up-to-date depth charts right now they do have Bateman as the starter for that week one game unless Nick Saban comes out and says no 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 I'm gonna go with David Cornwell as my starting quarterback against USC, but this is where you guys go down below. Let us know what you guys think. What are you thinking for this game? Could it be Max Brown's coming out party? And we're going to move on into our kind of last game, last topic of the podcast. And Brandon, it's simple. This is the Virginia Tech-Ohio State game from last year, the Labor Day game, to kind of end all of our festivities for week one in the college football season. I'm going to be blunt with this one. Is this Delvin Cooks? Is this his Heisman moment and his Heisman statement? I don't think so. 
I don't think so because I think that he's gonna he's gonna have plenty of other opportunities to be able to make a statement. Would it be nice to be able to do it week one against Ole Miss? Yeah, absolutely. Does it this would put be. him on the map though? Is this the one where he's we, already on the map? Where he's we already on. The where map. we start looking at him maybe above Leonard Fournette or the the Golden Boy in Stanford? I think some people may already be doing that. Okay. So he's on the map. Um, I think that this is more of a game that if he doesn't do well against Ole Miss, it can knock him a peg down. Uh, I, I think that uh, otherwise he's he's staying right there on the map personally, I think, because he had such a good season last mm-hmm. year. Uh, but you, you take a look. I mean, Ole Miss has a pretty good defense, and he's going to have to go up against them. I, I kind of mentioned this earlier on uh, in, in, in a different different video, different podcast, that you know he was going to possibly have some troubles in week one against this team against in week one and possibly in the final week of the season against Florida. Those are two good defenses kind of pegged in the beginning and right at the end that he'll have to be going up against. So if he is able to break through against Ole Miss, which, you know, he, he very well could. I mean, he, the good guys find running room. The good guys make plays and they're big plays. But I think definitely could this be a statement? Certainly. But the, the, is is this like the statement? No, because he's already made a statement. He's already made a case for himself. He did that last year. And that's Leonard Fournette, too. I mean, if, if you had to remake that case for yourself, we'd have someone different each year. But you don't. You don't have to do that. That's the whole thing, is that everyone's looking at Deshaun Watson, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, um, who we just talked, Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. If they had to remake that case, no one would ever start looking until the season started. But we do, because we've already made that case for them. And I think that Dalvin Cook has solidified himself as certainly a top 10 guy to be talked about, if not maybe top 5 should it, for Heisman Watch. Should the Heisman, this is a different conversation a little bit, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. For the Heisman, should it be kind of like, and I know he was joking when he sent this tweet out, but I'm still going to ask this question. It's kind of like when Colin Cowherd sent out his top 4 um, like AP top 25, the top four teams where he's like, yeah, number one, check back in eight weeks. Is that what we should do with the Heisman? You know what? Check back in eight weeks because, yeah, we can say that Dav- Dalvin Cook had a great game against Old Miss, but really if you have that one game early in the season and then dud the rest, you're not in the final three. You're not bringing home that hardware. So should we maybe treat it like the college football playoff where, yeah, we've got kind of these guys going, but let's not really put – Heisman rankings to it, and let's not really say who's number one, who's number two, until we get midway through the season and then start looking at it where we're putting like one, two, three, four, five. I agree 100% with that. And the reason being is because take a look at last year, Leonard Fournette, first eight weeks, phenomenal. Then he ran into the and, Alabama And wall. then you, you, you run into Alabama, you do horrible, and you're off the map. So eight weeks of you know trying to be really good really productive and really being good and productive and all of a sudden poof it's it's like all for nothing mm-hmm. it's all for nothing he even did well after Alabama but it wasn't enough to get him back on the map so yeah i i agree i agree almost 100% with with Colin Cowherd is well, you can that, do, you can do a whole lot in those first couple of weeks, but guess what? There's going to be a point where it gets to be mm-hmm. later in the season. If you can't make have statement games where you're good, it does not matter anymore. And this is me tweaking, like because his exact tweet was is like, oh, AP uh, top twenty five came out. 
Oh, you want to hear mine? It was number one, check back in eight weeks. Number two, Alabama will be really good. Number three, Clemson as well, four through 25, a toss up. Like, that was it. Like, and that to me, you can take that and apply that to the Heisman as well. It doesn't matter what you do game one, game two, game three. You got to keep that up an entire season. But if we look at this game, Florida State, we've talked about them enough this offseason. Some Seminole fans have gotten mad at me because I may be on the side of Louisville beating you guys this season that you guys may not be too pleased about. But the one thing with Dalvin Cook I want to get to is, is he the only team? Like, if Old Miss stops him, well, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. If they contain him, are they going to win the game? Or is Florida State going to say, you know what, you can contain... Delvin Cook will beat you other ways. I, I think that's I think that's kind of it, is that they could beat you other ways. I mean, you know, they've got Francois there at the quarterback position who they've been really, really happy with in camp. They've mm-hmm. been really happy with him. And, you know, people have made the comparison to him as Jameis Winston, and they've wanted Jimbo Fisher to talk about it. And he said, I won't do that. Uh, I won't do that to, to players. But you can tell that... Jimbo Fisher is very, very high on him. And Let's I just think hope that, he doesn't like crab legs, right? Well, if he does, just buy him at the store. But I think that really the thing is that, yes, this Florida State team to me, who I'll be honest, I'll come right out and say it. If I didn't say it before, I like them. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be very good. They're a playoff team in my mind. That's why playoff teams don't just beat you with one aspect. Mm-hmm. Playoff teams will get you with a lot of different aspects. And I think they're a pretty full team. And and, and I when I say full team, I mean well-rounded. They are really kind of gearing to go. And I think this is going to be a great game. This is going to be, I I, I, I kind of like the spot that it's in on, on television-wise that you're only watching this game. But at the same time, I wish it was just here. I wish that was one of the games well, you can't this wait weekend. For it. You can't wait for it. And the best thing about it, and I love how... I love how the college football, maybe I think it's last year for sure, but maybe the year before too, they've kind of embraced the Labor Day weekend and kind of said, you know what, we can take the full gambit of the weekend because the NFL's not on for another week. So you know what, we want that game on Monday, that primetime slot. We don't have to worry about fighting with TV contracts and viewers wanting to watch the big boys play in the NFL, we can kind of own that Labor Day Monday before the big boys even and the pros even lace them up for a regular season game. But to me, it's old Miss. You could talk about their defense shutting down, limiting, doing whatever they want to Delvin Cook. For old Miss, it's Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly's got to win that. I mean, maybe it's just me. I look at the quarterback. He's got to win them this game. You know what? You said you were the best quarterback— Let's put it this way. You said you were the best quarterback in college or are the best quarterback in college. Don't lose this game. You lose this game, you're not the best quarterback in college. And I learned maybe some people saying, but Ricky, everybody loses some games. No, you can't. Because I'll tell you what, there's a kid in Clemson who's probably not going to lose a regular season game this year for sure, and he's pretty damn good. Probably the best kind of, and I'll get more to this when we get into draft, but he's probably the best quarterback that we've seen going from college to the pro since Andrew Luck. Chad Kelly. 
No, Deshaun Watson. Oh, I, okay. Deshaun Sorry, Watson. I, th- I, th- I thought you were still on no, the Chad, no, no, on no, the Chad no. Deshaun, Kelly train. I'm like, Deshaun, did you jump on there no. with him? Deshaun Watson is the best prospect right now and probably will be when we get to draft talk since Andrew Luck. Yeah, he's probably one of the most talked about guys. Yeah, and I mean, with Chad Kelly, you want to prove me wrong, you win this game. And you fucking show me that it's you winning this game, not a, I made a few mistakes and my defense bailed me out. Woo, go defense. <laughs> yeah, just like that. I think he'd probably say it just like that. But no, I, I, I really, I do think that this is going to be a very good game. I'm looking for good things on really both sides because these teams are both very, very good. They've got the potential to really turn on the Jets offensively mm-hmm. on on both sides of the foot uh, yeah on both sides of the football too. I mean, defensively, sometimes that's a thing that people get away from. But I think with Ole Miss, that's a defense you never can get away from. They're they're good. They're stout. So that's why I think that Dalvin Cook he may have his work cut out for him. But if he's as good as I think he is, he will make it happen. And I mean, besides who wins this game? Is there anything else with this game, any other games that we got to hit, Brandon? Anything week one that we didn't talk about? Maybe some games that you're looking forward to that weren't in the three that we kind of mentioned today. No, man, I think we've covered it. I think we've covered it. I mean, there are going to be some great games. This this is going to be the best, like, this is the best opening to a college football week that I've seen that I can remember seeing in some time, but before I do the whole spiel where I sign it off, tell you that we're no longer on SoundCloud, moving to Blog Talk Radio. Before I do all that, we are going to finish the podcast where we always finish with. Got a new name. I'm trying it out this week. Brandon's going to let me know what he thinks about it after the podcast. You guys can let me know down below. But here is Swanee's final thoughts. Oh, I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let's it go with that. It sounds better than Pop Culture Minute. It's yeah. Swanee's final thoughts. I like it. Well, folks, as most of you know, if you don't live under a rock in the sports world, or even if you watch Good Morning America, I think you've probably all seen Colin Kaepernick. And I know you're probably going, this guy needs to weigh in because people think he thinks that people care about his thoughts. Well, no, that's not exactly it. But mostly. Colin Kaepernick, he, sta- he sits down. He couldn't stand up for the, for the national anthem. He sits down. Uh, during the national anthem, he does not pay tribute to the flag, and he says something along the lines. I'm no way quoting here because I don't have any quotes up, uh, but he's basically saying that he's not going to support a flag or a symbolism of a flag that has not done anything good for uh, Black Americans, has not done anything good for Hispanic Americans, has basically kind of left minority groups out in the cold. And, and and here's what I think is that, you know what, what what's going on in this country right now in, in the sense of a, a racial divide? I think it's very real, and I think it's very unfortunate. I think it's I think it's awful. And you know what? That's that's me being a a white male who is not happy with how that stuff is. I I, I think it's it's horrible what happens in in communities outside of our own. You know we're it not everybody. Not every white person lives in a, in a comfortable community, but neither does every, you know, b- black person or Hispanic person. You know, a lot of them are lucky to live in, in, a, in a community where there's comfort, where they don't have to worry about violence and things like that. And what are we doing on our part? What are we doing on our part to do better about to do better things, to make things better, to make living better, to make 
going to school better, all of that. What are we doing? Clearly not enough. Certainly not enough. So can I stand or sit with Colin Kaepernick in that respect? Absolutely. I think that his thinking is right in the sense of, you know, you haven't done enough. But you know what? There are so many men and women who serve this country who fought for that flag. And by that flag, it doesn't mean that flag itself. It means for what that flag should represent. The freedom of America and the freedom to be able to do what we want to do, say what we want to say. In Russia, we'd be dead. In Russia, gays die for being gay. It's not all fun and games everywhere else. The complaints in different countries are so much different than what we have here. I can understand where Colin Kaepernick is coming from, but he has to understand where so many men and women are also coming from. You stand. You stand and honor what that flag should symbolize. If you don't, you are part of the problem. Go about it in a different way, my man. Go about it in a different way because what you're saying is good. We need to do better. But what you're doing is not good because there's people who look up to you. And there's a lot of people who are really disappointed by what you did. Take a, take a better approach. That's all I'm asking. I got two thoughts. And you guys, for my more thoughts, usually what I do is I usually elaborate on what Brandon had just said. The two things I'm adding is two things I heard today. One I saw, one I heard. One was from Colin Cowherd where he said, you know what? Do I agree with what is actually being said? No. But I can... I can applaud and agree with your right to protest that I can agree with. And the other one was one of my friends on Facebook, just lighthearted status, not against the issues with this is, oh, well, it's funny that he decided to sit down because that's the view he is going to have all season because he probably isn't going to start for the 49ers. So kind of a little, little lighthearted spot to it, but that is Swanee's final thoughts here on the Primetime Podcast. I want to thank you guys for spending your day, evening, afternoon, morning, whatever it is when you are listening to this podcast with us today. Go ahead, let us know down below what you thought about anything we talked about today, any of the games, Swanee's final thoughts, anything down below in the comments section. You can go hit us up on Twitter. Those are in the description as well. That's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Oh, I can't wait to be talking about some football next week as we enjoy this weekend. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.